Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from Pastor Luke Cobray. Today I want to talk to you about the Christmas story. And I just believe that God has an encouragement for you today. God has something that he wants to speak into your heart, into your life. Maybe it's for you, maybe it's for a family, maybe, maybe it's for a friend. Maybe it's just a reminder to what uh, the season in life that you're going through. Or maybe something that you're walking through, you've walked through. But just a reminder to you, I believe it's an encouragement as we look at the story of Christmas. Because when we look at the world that we're looking at today, one thing that 2020 has shown us is how fast things change. How, how fast when we look back at 2020, I mean, it, literally 2020 to me feels like a dog year, you know, seven and one. Like we have navigated so many, we've nav- navigated economic crisis, racial tensions, political uh, turmoil, division, protests, riots, lockdowns, sh- curfews, shut-ins, all of these different things that we never really thought in our lifetime we might see in the course of a lifetime, and yet we've seen this in the last nine months. And so 2020 has, has definitely brought some things out in all of us. There's been some things in our world, in our lives that we've, we've recognized, man, wow, I didn't realize I felt that way. Uh, you know, my city, uh, Bend, made uh, national news for a poor teacher. Don't Google it, don't watch it, but a poor teacher, she lost her mind at some protesters and it went viral all across and we were talking about that and it's so easy to judge somebody who's shouting, you know, obscenities at somebody who believes something different, but you know, we were talking and it's like, we've all had moments this year where we've just kind of lost it. Either we've lost it in our mind or we've lost it with family members or we've just lost it in our souls. But this year has been tough. Some people, we lose it and we get the comfort of doing that in the privacy of our homes. And some people like this poor lady, you know, she has, her, her, her moment was aired for the entire world to see. But one thing we've seen as 2020 is it's been difficult. It's been hard. Tensions, turmoils, anxiety, uncertainty of the future. And Christmas is an amazing season. We love Christmas. I mean, the decorations and the lights and Frank Sinatra comes on and Michael Bublier shows up out of his cave for the, 11, the one month of year. His songs are relevant. And then he goes back in hiding and, and all of these different, we love Christmas. But Christmas is also a very difficult season because it's a season where it, 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 the, the pace of life picks up. We gotta shop and we gotta do things and we gotta meet with people and we gotta make sure that who do we forget and who do we don't have and, and, and all of these anxieties. Christmas is a time of year, psychologically speaking, where most people's anxieties are at the peak of their lives. And so Christmas is already a difficult season. 2020 is a difficult time. And now all of a sudden you throw everything in on that and we can say even if it's a magical time, even if it's a beautiful time, there's a lot of uncertainty in the moment where our world is literally crying out for hope. For a solution, for an answer. We, we hoped it would, we, we would be resolved early November. We hoped it would pass by after the first spike. We hoped that a, a vaccination might make it. But what we have learned is that no matter what we put our hope in, in the world's systems, that it does not deliver as much as we try. And in the middle of that, many of us are facing the reality that today, in this holiday and Christmas season, there's an empty chair at the table. A friend or a family member or somebody that we love has passed on or has gone or has moved away as, as the world has changed and there's been this, this exodus of California and this entrance of other people and, and even just looking at the rock of people moving and coming and going and we look around and things are different. So we look and we say, God, where's the, the solid, where's the hope? God, where can we have something to grab onto in a storm, in a season of uncertainty? What is it? And I love the theme of the billboard and even on the stage here at The Rock is that Jesus equals hope. 
Because that's what we're going to look at today in the Christmas story. But I want to take you to a part of the Christmas story. And it's from a young man, or it's about a young man named Joseph. Now, Joseph was a, an artisan, or the words that we use often in our scriptures is carpenter. Joseph was a, a carpenter, and so he worked with wood. He probably was a stonemason. He was able to build things and kind of probably more likely a handyman. He was betrothed or engaged to a young woman named Mary. And one day, Joseph sees his fiance showing the signs of pregnancy. And Joseph's life was interrupted in just a moment. Everything changed. Joseph had a plan. Joseph had a thought. Joseph probably imagined life would look a certain way. And all of a sudden, everything in his life in just a moment was reversed and changed. And Matthew, one of Jesus' followers, writes this account down of the story of Jesus and the story of, of his birth. And he includes the story of Jesus' stepfather, Joseph. And I want to just take a verse because oftentimes we read this verse and the verse quotes some Old Testament scriptures as well as tells us the story of Joseph. But there's a, there's a huge portion of scripture that has such a great magnitude for you and I that oftentimes because of our familiarity with Christmas, because we know the story of the manger, because we know the story of Mary, because we know the story of the stars, and we know the story of the men who got on camels and came from the east, and because we know all of these different stories, that we, the familiarity brings this, this sense of just like, there's a story, let's preach about it again. But there's something so large in here that I believe that this is what I want to focus on, the story of Christmas. So in Matthew, and I'm going to pull this little pub table up for just a minute because, they, man, they put it way back here. In Matthew chapter, chapter 1, I want to just take you for a moment. and Now, I, I'm going to read it out of a slightly different translation, but it's basically the same. So just so you know, we're all on the same page. Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to read it out of, out of the translation I study out of is the English Standard Version, but many of you have New King James. It's pretty much the same thing. I want to read this story. It goes on like this in Matthew chapter 1. It says, now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, I want to just pause for a moment because this is talking about the interruption of Joseph's life. That Joseph was within every right right now to bring an accusation against Mary. It says he was a good man, he was a just man. When this, when this woman who was betrothed, and this was an arranged marriage, his family and her family had gathered together and they had agreed previously before they had probably even met each other that this would be the arrangement of the marriage. And so there was a, a much like a business deal or a transaction. These two came together. Joseph had it with all of his rights to divorce Mary, to issue her a certificate of divorce because of this, and to even bring accusations of adultery to her that could result in her own death. And Joseph was pondering these things. Matthew tells us that Joseph wrestled with this problem. What do I do? How do I do this? I'll just, I'll be a good guy. I'll be nice and, you know, and, and, and I'll divorce her quietly. And divorcing Mary with a child would have led to Mary's ostracization of the community and the society and likely have led to her even being destitute or even having to go into a world of prostitution to, to be able to feed her and her child. And yet the angel visits Joseph in the middle of this and it says these words. But as he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not... Fear to take Mary as your wife. For which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus, which in the Greek or in the Hebrew is Yeshua. It says, for he shall save his people from their sins. See, the name Yeshua means God is salvation. God saves. 
And so you shall call his name Jesus and he will save his people from the sins. And all of this took place, Matthew writes, to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet Isaiah. And this comes from Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah says these words, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. And in this section of scripture, right there, God saves and God with us is such a huge revelation of magnitude to you and I. But oftentimes we overlook it, we don't see it, or we don't see what God is actually doing in just these few words. That you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. You see, the story of Christmas is the story of God with us. But the thing you need to understand is that the idea of God with us isn't a new idea. This isn't solely Christian. This isn't solely Jewish. This was actually a very common idea in this time of the world, in this area of the world. The idea was more like God among us. You know, I'm, I'm a 90s kid. I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, there's that, there was a song back in the 90s, kind of that grunge song. Is What if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us? Anybody, any 90s people, you know what I'm talking about? Like, the idea of God among us was a common idea. In the Mediterranean region where, where this is based out of, for hundreds of years, people believed that the gods uh, that they would worship or the gods that they would serve would often come from the places of their, their kingdoms. That Most of them believed that they lived or occupied the summits of high mountains like Mount Olympus in Greece, and that they would come off of their mountains and they would live among people. That they would shroud themselves, that they would hide themselves, and that they would come in, and that they would live amongst people, and they would interact with people, and they would, they would even have interpersonal relationships with people, and then they would have, from those relationships, demigods, or half-gods, and half-men. And, and this was not an uncommon thing. So to even say the word God with us wasn't something that, that people were like, wow, we've never heard of this before. Wow, we've never seen this before. Wow, we've never thought of this before. Even those who were in the, the Hebrews, the, the Jews, they understood this. In the time of the first temple, when Solomon built, God, God's glory and his presence occupied the Holy of Holies. It was where God's presence literally dwelt on earth. Before there was a temple, it was a tent. It was called the tabernacle. And God's presence dwelt in the tabernacle before there was the tabernacle or even during that time when God would want them to move in the wilderness as they were leaving their, their, their past from Egypt and going into the promised land. God would lead them in the day by a cloud and at night with a pillar of fire. God would descend on Mount Sinai and the, and the heavens would roar and the trumpets would roar. People knew that God was with them. But this was different. This wasn't the same as Greek mythology. This wasn't the same as, as a pillar or a fire. This was something completely different. Something the world had never seen. Something the world had never experienced. Something the world could never even fathom would happen. But God with us. Paul writes it in his letter to his friends in the book of Philippians. This is to a church in the city of Philippi, he writes these words in Philippians chapter 2. He says, Jesus, having uh, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, a position, a title, a place, a, a pillar to stand on. He humbled himself, he emptied himself, and took on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. That this is God. 
Not shrouding himself in disguise, not coming as, as, a, as, a, as the form of something or, or the emanation of something or the illustration of something. But this is literally the story of God, the creator of the universe, his son, Jesus Christ, who was there at the foundations of the world. John writes in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And in him all things that were created were created through him. This is the, the story of God. God, the Son of God, stepping out of the pages of Scripture and into the reality of humanity. God with us. You see, this wasn't shrouded in mystery. This wasn't shrouded in, in, in hidden. It wasn't the fact that, that, that God came. Some people even call it like this. You know, theologians for, for centuries argued over what to define this. They call it the incarnation. And for hundreds of years in the early church, they argued Jesus was all God, but he actually wasn't man. He was just an image. Or some would say, no, 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 Jesus was all man, but he didn't have a human soul because he was God. Or Jesus was like a demigod, like somewhat God, somewhat man. And then people who didn't believe in Jesus said, y'all are nuts, and he's none of that. Everybody was wrong. Because what Jesus is, is all God, and all men. This never happened before. And this has not happened since. You see, Jesus, what Paul writes in Philippians is that he emptied himself. When Jesus took on the form of humanity, he did not subtract deity. And when Jesus became humanity, he was still deity. And when Jesus died and ascended to heaven, he did not lose humanity, he became deity. And so Jesus was all God and all man. And, and this is the reality is that the, it wasn't hidden, it wasn't a mystery, it wasn't like, shh, don't tell anybody. Like you read in the stories of Homer's Iliad and the gods coming and having interactions with people. No, angels announced it shepherds knew it scriptures foretold it people understood there was prophets in the moment that were waiting for the salvation of the Lord like Zechariah and Anna who said finally the word of God has come true in my life and this was no secret to the world that God is with us and I love as John writes about Jesus being the word, uh, uh, the word and the word was with God and the word was God and all things that were created were created through him and by him and for him. And then he goes on in John chapter one, verse number 14 and probably one of the greatest poetic verses of scripture, John says it like this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt in the original language is the word tabernacled. It means Jesus came. He stepped out of the pages of scripture and onto the world of humanity and he pitched his tent with this people. He didn't hide it. He didn't mask it. He lived it. He walked it. He preached it. He proclaimed it. Jesus constantly would say, the words that I say, they're not my words, they're my father's. His disciples would say, Jesus, show us God. Jesus would come back and say, have you not understood that when you see me, you see God? Why? Because I am God with you. And I love what Eugene's Peter, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the, it's called the Message Bible. He wrote this for his grandchildren so that they would understand it more clearly. 
And as he writes this paraphrase of the Bible, this verse, I love what Eugene Peter says in the Messages Bible. He says it like this. He says, the word became flesh and blood, and he moved into the neighborhood. You see, God is not some distant God. God is not some deity in the sky. God is not like Santa Claus, an old man with a white beard. God is not a great judge watching up there, waiting for all the bad things in your life so that you can make a mistake and he can hit you over the head with some judgment. This is the image of God, that God came and he pitched a tent. He moved into the neighborhood and he said, how you doing? You need some sugar. My kids, we live in on, on a cul-de-sac, and so my kids, and when it's summertime, they go out and they ride their bikes or their scooters or they ride their RC cars, and our neighbors will all walk around, and people come over. I mean, they're nice in Oregon, you know. They, they come over to you, and they say hi, and they pitch up conversation. How you doing? How's your mom? And, you know, it's just been amazing to see the interaction, and this is the picture of God. This is the picture of God saying, I want to be involved. I want to be connected. I want to have a part of your life. I don't want to just be distant and, and aloof and absent and apathetic. I'm going to move in. I'm going to be your neighbor. I want to be there with you. I want to be there for you. I love you. I care about you. I see you. I recognize you. If you need me, I am there. He moved into the neighborhood. And yet... So much of the world missed it. Even though he was announced in Scripture, he was announced by angels that royalty came and visited him, even though he fulfilled prophecy after prophecy. For 30 years, Jesus grew up in a home in which his own siblings didn't believe him. He spent his time overlooked as a carpenter. And as he preached, people would come and go. And then he dies in between two thieves, abandoned by most everybody around him. And people missed it. But not everybody missed it. I love what John says on the second half of John chapter 1, verse 14. John says it like this. He says, we saw it. We saw it with our own eyes. We saw his glory, the glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I love this. This is only what Jesus could do. You see, we want to talk truth. In our world, truth is what's so relevant and what's so important. Your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. And I'll give you grace if it's my truth, but not if it's your truth. But Jesus came not with a little bit of truth and a little bit of grace. Jesus came in the fullness of truth and the fullness of grace. I love the picture of this, that, that grace without truth is meaningless. Truth without grace is just mean. But grace and truth together. It's medicine. And I love, as John said, we, we saw it. We, our eyes were opened. And it was like, there he is. God in our neighborhood, in our lives, in our interactions, in our most personable, personal parts of life, there is God. I love what the, the writer of the book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 1 says it like this. It says, it says, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, it says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory, the goodness of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. 
That if the story of Christmas is the story of God with us, then the imprint of the nature of God is that God loves you, that God cares about you, that God sees you, that God wants to see you succeed in life. And this world is begging for hope. But let's bring it closer. We're begging for hope. We're saying, God, we can't go on like this. God, we can't keep going like this. God, there's so many things that are pulling us in so many directions. What can we do? And we look and we realize and recognize the story of Christmas is the story of God with us. And this is the hope that we have. That Jesus Christ has come and he has moved into the neighborhood and he cares about you and he loves you and he has brought what was a distant and impossible and unreachable God into your life. That he stepped out of the pages of history onto the story of your life. But the best part of Christmas is that it's not a story of a man who was born and who lived for approximately 33 years and then was gone. Because that's how most of us view it. God was with them. But God, I need you with me. And God with us, a beautiful idea, but that was thousands of years ago. I need you with me. But the story of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection is not the end of the story of God with us. It's the beginning of the story of God with us. Jesus tells his own disciples at the end times of his own ministry, he says, I have to go. Because right now, I'm a man. One person is just me. But there are things that God has to do. And he wants to send to you his spirit, his Holy Spirit, to dwell in you, to live in you, to teach you, to remind you, to comfort you, to speak to you, to, to equip you, to build you. And if I stay here, you can't have that. And so Jesus goes and they look to the sky and he disappears like a fairy tale. But unlike a fairy tale, the spirit of God breathes through the church on the day of Pentecost and thousands are added daily. And Jesus' final words to his friends, his followers, disciples, in Matthew, the 28th chapter, he says, listen, he says, I want you to go out. I want you to go to the world, and I want you to teach them what I've taught you, and I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want you to know about this. I am with you always. <laughs> friends, do you recognize the tense in which this is written? This is not past tense. This is a 2,000-year-old statement that should be written. I will be with you guys. It is written in present tense because it is a promise for you that Jesus Christ says, I am with you always. That letter to the Hebrews was written to people who were following Jesus, who were fighting such hardships in their lives that they were about ready to give up on their faith. And at the end of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it gives us the reminder that God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The story of Christmas, friends, is the story of God with 
us. And while isolation might feel like the norm, while distance might feel like the, the, the seasonal norm, while we look and everybody's wearing a mask, and we're not even talking about a mask of, of, of COVID, we're talking about a mask of reality. Many of us are more connected than we've ever been, but also more alone than we've ever felt. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. You have not been overlooked. You have not been, been, been missed out on, but you are a child of God. That God loves you, that God cares for you, that God sees you, that God recognizes you, and that God is with you. And I love what Jesus tells Thomas, his disciple, at the end of his time. After Jesus is resurrected, Thomas says, I won't believe in Jesus until I could touch him, until I could see him. And Jesus comes to Thomas and he says, Thomas, here, have, have at it. And then Jesus says, Thomas, you have seen me and you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and who will believe. And the story of Christmas is a story of God with us, but the story of Christmas is a story of the world missing God with us. My challenge to you, my encouragement to you, and to me, is will we take time out of the busyness of our lives, out of the, the chaos of the season, out of all of the things that we see that are going around, as we take time out of our opinions, as we take time out of our viewpoints, as we take time out of all of these things, to pause and to say, God, show me where you are. Because the truth is, because of Jesus Christ, you have God with you. You can make it. You will make it. You will succeed because God loves you, God cares about you, God sees you, God acknowledges you, and God has a future for you. Let's pray together, friends. Lord, in the name of Jesus, in this season of Christmas, in this season of anxiety, in this season of uncertainty, Lord, in this season of blessing, in this season of hope for the future, God, we just, in this moment, take a time right now to look into our lives and to say, God, we need you with us. God, I need you in my marriage. I need you with my kids. God, I need you in my job. I need you in my finances. God, I need you in my emotional health. God, I need you at my work. I, I need you everywhere in my life and to recognize that you have always been there. And Lord, I pray that 2021, as we look into Christmas, the season of Advent, the expected arrival of our return, that 2021, we would live in a season of Advent, the expected arrival of the return of Jesus. But even knowing that you are with us in this moment, for those who are here today who are brokenhearted, God, I ask for your comfort of your Holy Spirit. God, for those who today are full of anxiety or uncertainty, God, I ask for peace from Jesus Christ. God, for those who are today who are here, who are full of life and joy for the future, what it holds, Lord, I pray that you would continue that zeal and that they would find joy in Christ and not in circumstance. Lord, I pray that you would remind us on a daily basis that you are with us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.